0: That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to talk to you about Rotoballer.com, proud sponsor of the show. Do my written content over at Rotoballer.com, and this podcast is a part of the Rotoballer radio network, so I want to let you know that uh, football season quickly approaching with you guys. Win big in 2021 with Rotoballer.com's NFL Premium Pass. Are you ready to dominate your season-long in DFS leagues? Roto Baller's NFL Premium Pass and Draft Kit includes rankings, projections, and cheat sheets for all formats. Get exclusive draft articles, DFS tools, lineup optimizers, and premium Slack chats. Join in on the winning and take 50% off any premium pass. Use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, for another 10% discount. Just visit rotoballer.com backslash radio, sign up today, and start balling like a boss. And Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 95, recapping the week 24 fab week, and a lot of good listener questions. You guys came through in a big, big way this week, only a few more weeks of fab to go, so keep trucking along, and we'll try to help you through those last few weeks with all your questions and all the good stuff there. You can find myself on Twitter, at BDNTrick, and my host, as always, on Twitter, at BatFlip Crazy. Toby, how we doing,
1: man? Bubba, we're doing great. I've got the Blue Jays cap on uh, today. I mean, it had been at least two or three months since Vlad Jr. hit a home run. And when he goes yard, you know, I put on the Blue Jays hat. But this is an honor of Vlad Jr. hitting his 40th home run. Always been a huge fan. Always been a huge supporter of his. And I just, I want to represent as best that I can. It's also a cool hat. I really like it. And kudos to the Blue Jays for having really nice hats in general. I mean, even the all blue, like, especially when Robbie Ray's wearing it, like, just, it just hits different. So.
0: Yeah, the one you're the one you're wearing is I'm much like I love that that one the most. I just wish it was their not not their alternate hat. Let's put it that way. Like it, yeah. it needs to be their full time hat. It's such a, it's a good lid, good lid
1: for sure. So for sure. And one of the things that's tough about these white hats, keeping you know, is that like <laughs> keeping them clean, man. I'm like I'm leaving the house. I'm like, ah, do I want to wear this one? It could be a little dirty. I got some kids. Like we went to the river the other day. It's like, man, this yeah. would be a dope day for a Blue Jays hat, like just popping. And then I'm like, I'm going to the river. I don't I don't know if we're gonna do that. So I settled instead for like my twin's hat, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a
0: bad one to settle for.
1: It's okay. It's a great hat, it's just yeah. dirty.
0: Yeah, it happens. Yeah, one of my favorite hats I had for golf was a white hat that I got at Half Moon Bay and Let's just say it's not white anymore. So it's no. uh just it's just not going like to work that, that nice way.
1: Nice like le- yellow tinge, yep. sweat, dirt. and
0: dirt. And yeah, just it's just not uh, not the same anymore. So it sucks, but is what it is. Is life and uh, baseball is life right now? It feels like And it's a life that we're ready to take a break from. Like you're saying before, like we love baseball, but this this has been a, a, a wearing season to say the least. We've talked about it quite a bit, but it's fun. Uh, we keep on grinding as Toby keeps. You know, it was about a month or two, about two months ago. He was like in the middle to bottom of a handful of leagues. I know he's battled back to money contention. You were talking about that strategy wise going into it. I'm trying to just hang on for dear life. Like it's, I can't get any. My pitching has all just gone to hell in the last like two weeks. It's every time I look at the up like the day before, it's a disaster. My my hitting's been fine. That continues to truck along. Pitching's been just horrific the last few weeks. Don't know what to do there. So that's just pray. I just pray basically is what I do now. It's, it's yeah. fun. I need wins and strikeouts, but the guys doing it ain't cutting it. So it's yeah, pretty, it's, pretty it's cool.
1: strikeouts are tough right now. Like I've got a lot of league. Well, not a lot of leagues, but like I have one league in particular, a high stakes league where I'm in second right now. And if I finish in second, which it's a super tight battle. Um, if I finish in second, then I'm pretty much set for this year. Like I, I'm feeling really good about where I'm at. If I don't, it's going to be a little bit of a slog, but I'm. I've got. I've got K's and wins down, and so now I'm like it's all ratios. But I'm finding that my team, even having like like this week I have Blake Trinan, Garrett Whitlock, and like three or four closers in. Like I'm still keeping up with a lot of the te- other teams in the league because I have like a Robbie Ray. I had like a Carlos Rodon. You know, and those guys who get those bulk strikeouts make such a big difference right now because pitching is so thin. And it just gives you a sense. I mean, I know I talk about pocket aces all the time and all that, but just having one guy on your team that can get you like eight to 10 strikeouts a week gives you such an advantage over other teams in the league. Like, especially if they can do it without having the double start or like, like Robbie Ray, I think had, 22 strikeouts or something like that last week in his double start like that just I mean you literally only need like two more starting pitchers to hit your like 40ks which is going to finish you middle in the pack so yeah we'll see what ends up happening but um yeah it's, it's been a major grind but I'm feeling pretty good I actually have one team in the main event that as of the end of yesterday was 39th overall Nice. And I'm just proud because I just been I've been trying to grind. It has not gone my way this season, especially at the start. It's been much better recently, but you know it's, you got to just keep at it. And there's a couple people like where in different leagues that I'm in, they're doing the same thing. Like shout out um, uh, to our buddy Dave McDonald. Um, you know I, I know we give him a hard time sometimes, but you know in our super he was like 11th or 12th, and now he's in fourth, and he's pretty close. And so. Just goes to show you, like, the standings that matter are the ones at the end of the season. The reason why we play season long is so that we have the full 162 games to play out. And a lot can change here in this last three weeks. So, FAB is critical. FAB
0: is very critical. And that's how we still review it, even at this point. Because a lot of the names we mentioned, it's strictly streaming-wise. Or just to fill a hole, like, they're not the flashiest of names. That's why we kind of joke about it. But there's reasons behind it. That's why we discuss it. Because if they're still available in, say, your 12-team leagues, they might be worth the shot somewhere here or there, or maybe someone's still sitting there in 15s or it gives you an idea going into the following week, something to look at while we get going at it. So let's get cracking. Money is is, is short, but some guys still have some. A top-added player, Leody Tavares, added in 260 leagues for as high as 107. This was a guy, Toby, that many were drafting to start the season and best balls and DCs, even looking into some uh, season-long, just like redraft leagues and he let everybody down, and he got sent down, and time was fun. He got recalled first couple games, not too pretty, but since April 30th, about the last five or six games, he has hit safely in each and every one of those games for a three, th- or no, all but one of those games. He has five extra base hits, three stolen bases. He's doing everything you'd want to get from the Li- O.D. Li- Li- Tavares, and in reality, could he stay hot for another two to three weeks? Very possibly. So this is a kind of a game-changing type play. There's a reason he's adding so many. Uh, were you in on the Yodi Li- Li- Tavares?
1: I was in where I could afford him. Um, I I got him in one league where I need stolen bases. And, and it's one of these tough ones where, you know, you probably saw his best week, right? Four stolen bases, two home runs. And so now you're kind of paying for, you don't get that. And, you know, so far this week, like he didn't play on Monday. He's 0 for 3 today. You know, the batting average can be bad, but he's hitting towards the top of that lineup. He's playing virtually every single day. He's going to steal. I mean, we saw it at the end of last season. I think he hit like five home runs and stole like 12 bases or something like that, you know, um, towards the down the stretch last year. And so you're hoping for something similar um, here with the Rangers. They have no reason not to play him and give him another shot. So I, I really like this move. Unfortunately, you know, the, the, the cost was prohibitive uh, this week. Um, I do want to give a shout out to folks who picked him up two weeks ago because I've been a fan of Loyote. I have him on a bunch of DCs. So I was able to enjoy a little bit of, of last week in, in some context after a painful first half of the season. Um, but that that's kind of the smart play, right? When he's not on a lot of guys' radar, when there is that uncertainty, is he going to play every day? You know, where is he going to hit? All of those things factor into the fab cost. Now he's hitting lead off and he's done what he's done. You're shelling out 107 bucks for him. Or in my league, I think it was like 26 or something like that, that I, that I, that I did. And so, you know, that's, that's how you try to take that edge in fab is by getting him earlier where there is that uncertainty, but you pay a lower cost for it.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. If you could, if you could take the, we talk about that many times, if you can grab the guy a week or two early, even if it's pitchers, hitters, it's a very valuable thing. Um, it will be interesting. Cause I remember or it was yesterday's Tuesday, so Monday he wasn't in the lineup and I'm like, Oh, great. Here we go. Everyone grabbed him, not starting. He let off on Tuesday. So it might be kind of a still up-and-down situation, but I think he'll get most of the playing time is what I would imagine going there. You know, DJ Peters keeps hitting low. Um, Solak's hitting well. Like there's, there's a lot going on in Texas right now from a fantasy standpoint. It's pretty entertaining. But um, Tavares is that guy that if he can run hot for another couple weeks, roll with it. If he starts stumbling, drop him right away and get someone else. There's nothing wrong with that either. But uh, the potential's there. We've seen it. So uh, give it a shot and see what happens. Andrew Kittredge adding 176 leagues as high as 151. I'd love to know who had that much money sitting around you now, but uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. The Rays, doing Rays things is the best way I can put this. Mixing and matching and doing all the fun stuff in the back of that bullpen. And Kittredge, over the last week or so, I picked up uh, four saves. He's really been the guy getting the job done there. I know Nick Anderson is still rumored to come back, but he was getting setbacks in, in rehab. Kittredge is getting the job done. I, I'm, you're, you're a guy in need of saves, Toby. Were you in on Kittredge?
1: Yeah, I got him in a few places. I think more in OCs than in main events um, in 15 teamers. He was picked up last week in quite a few leagues, so he wasn't readily available, but I did get him in a few spots. He's been pretty much strictly the closer for the last couple of weeks. And so you got to hope that that continues. Obviously the Rays can move away from it at any point in time. But what I love about him is even if he isn't in a closer role, you at least feel pretty comfortable with the ratios the case should be at least decent. He's been a great pitcher all season long, so you can at least move it, move forward with confidence in that. And then the saves are a little bit of an added bonus there as well.
0: Yeah, he's a typical raised pitcher. He's like the Peter Fairbanks of 2021 that just comes in and slides in and gets the job done. It gets like two out, two inning saves. So he's getting you extra ratio help and uh strikeout help. It's a very, very raised thing that's going on there. It really annoys me because he had like back-to-back saves like two months ago or whatever. So I picked him up. Then he went back to like a starter, like a, a opener role. And I'm like, what in the world? So I dropped him, of course, and now here, here goes Kittredge. Long gone, things of the past, but that would just made me laugh. i guess, like, that's total raise right there, total raise situation. All right, next guy off the dock here, Joe Ryan, picked up in 171 leagues as high as $80. Mister, uh, He got traded in the Nelson Cruz deal from Tampa Bay to Minnesota, was a star in the Olympics for Team USA. He's pitched really well in the minors this year. People, I think most thought maybe we'd see him next year, but – He's getting a cup of coffee this year. Five innings, three earned, one walk, five Ks in his debut against the Cubs. His his contact qualities overall are pretty darn good. He showed things to enjoy, things to enjoy in a big way. So I like Joe Ryan. I put in some bids. I don't think I got him anywhere, though. But I I think there's there's a lot to like for three more weeks here.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I love Joe Ryan as well. I didn't really get him anywhere, unfortunately. The bids people were on him. I was really hoping that because he didn't have like the best start to start off with that he, that he might fly a little bit under the radar, but I mean, he's great. And I shout, shout out to uh, Nick Sackett, who is, is a terrific uh, player. Um, he and Brian Slack always dominate uh, main events and, and the leagues that they play. Um, he was on Joe Ryan during draft champions leagues. And he actually had a question on our pod way back in the play way back in the day. And I think it was something like, am I, am I crazy for, um, thinking that Joe Ryan is, is a great pickup in draft champions leagues. And I mean, it turns out not, you know, like, even though he's only obviously had one start so far, if he can give you four or five, you know, solid starts of good ERA, good whip, the K's he's been successful at every level. And while he doesn't have the traditional velocity that you'd see, he has like, Eno's talked about it. And the scouting reports have talked about the fact that hitters just don't see his fastball very well. So even though it doesn't have that elite velocity, it still works really well. And so he's, a, he's great. And I think he's also a guy that looking forward to next year, I think kind of towards the back end of your drafts, you're going to want to think about a guy like him because I think he's a really good pitcher. And I think the twins have done a really good job of developing pitchers and so he's great for this year i think he could be really good really big steal towards the back end of drafts next year depending on how that rotation situation looks like um but definitely definitely target him in your draft champions for next year for sure
0: but i like yeah. it yeah i like him he, he will have an impact next year for sure especially like it seems every year when we talk about the twins they are always in need of starting pitching like that's like the big hole they have every single year in that rotation it'd be a shame if he didn't start the year out with them but if not He'll have an impact for a stretch of next year. I'd be pretty confident in that, barring some weird injury. So with you on that, I'm kind of bummed because I was really hyped on Edward Cabrera, and he has not like there's no strikeouts right now. Even oh, today. What a start.
1: brutal, what a brutal start. Jeez. But
0: this is all three starts have had like no strikeouts. It's been really weird. Like I wouldn't mind a few runs here or there if you're getting the strikeouts. That's the whole reason why I went in. <laughs> yeah. I needed strikeouts. No. It's like I'll take the ratio hit if you could give me the strikeouts, and there is zero. I'm just like, oh. and he had two starts this week. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to run it out. I got to do it. Now it's just like, you better strike out like 12 next time.
1: <laughs> I know, now I'm just, now I'm honestly just hoping he gets that second start, right? Yeah. yeah like after he pitched, it. I mean, that last inning he pitched, it was, it was, rough. Yeah. it was he got an out and then it was walk, 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 hit by pitch. Yeah.
0: And that's one thing he was not walking people before. So that's like, he was striking guys out, not walking guys. And now it's just like, oh, what just took place here? I still think he's going to be very good. He's another guy next year to definitely have on the agenda, but um, it's a weird, weird development how – like, usually if a guy gets hit around, you're still seeing the strikeout stuff. Like, there's just nothing. It's bizarre. I, I can't explain. I literally tweeted out, can somebody tell me where the strikeouts went? Someone that's smart at pitching, can someone point out what the hell's going on? Because I can't figure it out. So I could probably dig in and look more, but I'm just too frustrated with the defense. <laughs> just like, God, just do it for me already. But um, let's talk about a guy that is getting it done. You know, early in the uh, preseason, Giovanni Gallegos was a guy that was kind of like a, hey, you know, keep him close, keep him close, just because Alex Reyes – he, they're going to want to stretch him out. That was kind of always the discussion. Gallegos will get his chance. Well, Reyes kept him for a while, and then finally Reyes just got bad enough. They just had to give it to guy, Gallegos. Got picked up in 152 leagues for as high as 128. He's been really good. Two saves last week. He's been a holds machine. So if you're in a saves hold league, he's been great. Ratios have been pretty solid. Strikeouts have been good. Um, overall, just a really solid guy. He had a rough outing his last time out on the 5th. But prior to that was lights out uh, for about almost over a month. So uh, Gallegos is a very popular ad this week. Did you pick up Giovanni Gallegos?
1: I got him in one league, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's great. He's a great pitcher. He's a tremendous reliever. He. Ha- it's so funny, though, the way that saves works right now. Like, you know, it's like he's like up there at the top of your list. And then Sunday happens where he blows the lead. And then Reyes comes in. And so for like a batter, you're like, oh my god, do I do I not drop Reyes because I have him in one of my leagues? And I was just laughing because uh, some um, I'm partnering with somebody in a league, and it was like, okay, like Gallegos has it, we're gonna drop Reyes, and then it was like, oh wait, Reyes is coming in, and it's like, okay, hold that bid, like <laughs> we're not gonna do that. And it's like Grand Slam Vogelbach It's like, ah, I'll, okay, I think we can drop him. Um, but yeah, Gallegos is really good. If he was still available in your league, shallower leagues probably like OCs. Yeah. Um, online championship, 12 teamers, 10 teamers, um, definitely grab him. I mean, he's a tremendous reliever. He's a guy that if he's the closer heading into next year, I think he'll go very high in drafts just because he is, he's really, really good. And the Cardinals are a good team to pitch on just because they play in the NL central because they play in a really nice uh, pitcher friendly ballpark. So he's fantastic. Um, and it's funny, right? Cause we talked in the mid season about Alex Reyes. I think I can't remember if it was on this podcast or another one talking about guys that were going to kind of fall off in the second half. But what Reyes was doing was unsustainable. Like you'll take, you'll take it every day of the week, 28 saves or whatever he was able to provide, but it was just a matter of time. He hadn't given up any home runs. I think in the first half now, I think he's given up two or three already. His whip was out of control, but his ERA was super low. You're starting to see that, you know, happen. So, so Reyes is kind of done with, it reminds Reyes reminds me a little bit of Adam Adovino, honestly, Mm -hmm. like where, we talked about him on the last podcast. Like he hadn't given up a home run yet this year. Well, he's good yeah, at suppressing but, yeah. home runs, but guess what? Guess what he did? You know, yeah, the moment we get him run. in our lineups, yeah. uh, Fran Mill Reyes, you just like knew it was going to happen. Like yeah. Fran Mill comes up in that spot. And I'm just like,
0: and you comes. can't locate the
1: fastball. Like he's just going to be sitting on it and boom. Um, oh, well it happened. So yeah, but anyways, that's a long winded way of saying Gallegos, love him. Add him where you can. He's terrific.
0: Yeah, it feels like he should have been the closer all along. Like Reyes has really good stuff, but like the way he was using it and the success rate he was having, like you said, was unsustainable. So it's nice to have the, the backup plan for the Cardinals to have Gallegos there. But I think it goes back to like a bigger picture that we'll obviously talk about in the offseason. But there's at least guy, like Reyes is still on the roster. There's multiple closers that are DFA'd or in the minor leagues right now. Karin Cech, um Cesar Valdez, these guys put up big save numbers. Like they helped teams out for a while. And they're not even on big league rosters right now. There's way more than that. Like, Brad Hand's gone. Like, there's just a, a list of dudes. And it, I think it goes back to, the, you know, we try to evaluate the talent level, the skill sets, all this stuff. Let's evaluate who has the job for now and go from there. Because write it while you can. Like, obviously, there's guys that you feel like are just going to blow up right out the gate. But, hey, you never know. These guys might get you 15 saves. Like, Daniel Bard of the Rockies. And it blew up and he's gone. Like, so many guys that were still valuable because saves were so hard to come by. And then you just kind of in and burning eventually. So it'll be an interesting way to break it all down going into the the because it's not as kind of cu- obviously cut and dry. We talked about it many times, but just the the guys aren't just losing their jobs; they're like losing their jobs. Like yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy watching it this year. It's a different level of uh, closing situations. I mean, um, just look
1: at uh, look at Alex Colomay. Yeah, I mean, Alex Colomay is going to be a could be a league winner, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. This is what this is why we at the beginning of the season we preach like staying away from, you know, closers because it can be so finicky. Right. And look at Colome, Right. He's like, he's been lights out. I mean, he's like a sixth or seventh inning guy.
0: Start the year. It wasn't even
1: a a setup, man. (laughs) I mean, he was like fifth on the, on the, in the, in the list of guys to take over once, you know, Taylor Rogers went down and once um, Hansel Hansel Robles got traded, it was like, Oh, is it going to be Duffy? Is it going to be Thielbar? Is it going to be Colombe? Is it going to be like uh, who else is good? Al- Al- Alcala, like, is it going to be any of these? No, it's going to be Alex Colombe. He's going to absolutely dominate. You yeah. know, like, welcome <laughs> Filthy. to saves, dude. Filthy. Shoot. Yeah, Speaking no, of which, fun. Paul Seawall just blew a save. Man, he's been kind of
0: rocky ever since he finally got that role. He's like, he's been good, but he hasn't been like the lights out dude he was before, and. It goes back to my theory: is some you gotta be different in between the years to be a closer. It's a different animal. Like <laughs> it's weird. Man, it's brutal.
1: Maybe he'll get the win. I'll
0: take it. I need those. So go for it. Go get some strikeouts and wins. Win. Wins are
1: great. Oh, yeah, go get God. it.
0: Uh, next power. up on the uh, the player movement chart here, fifth most added player, Lane Thomas added in 141 leagues, as high as fifty six dollars. He's leading off for the, the Nats every day, especially with uh, Robles going to Triple A. He's, he ride, he's riding an eight-game hitting streak heading into Tuesday with three home runs over that stretch. He's uh, striking out 19% of the time or a little less than that. So he's been quite productive for the Nationals. Like There's still some things that uh, give me some some pause, but uh, for this time of year, for what's going on, I have zero problem with a guy like Lane Thomas. It, for me, it was 15 team league goalies. I wasn't really desperate in 12s, but I saw him added a bunch of 12s, and I could see it if he really needed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this the profile has really come along nicely. I mean, I think we talked about him maybe two weeks ago, something like that, and uh, BABIP was high, and you know he wasn't doing that well. But you know, the batting average is down. You know, he's hitting two forty two so far this year. You mentioned like more recently the skills have been better, but when you just look across the profile, uh, the O swing is twenty four and a half percent, which is really strong. Uh, the in uh, zone and overall contact rate is better than league average you know the hard hit rate is is fine especially for a guy who's just kind of leading off and hitting some home runs stealing some bases you know getting you some runs um you know the max evs around 109 so nothing to write home about but he makes pretty consistent contact with it 6 barrels 6.9% barrel rate so nothing out of this world but playing every single day hitting at the top of that lineup which is still a decent top of the lineup i mean for all the negative things we say about Alcides Escobar, like the guy's hitting They're for batting up. average. He's yeah. got a ton of runs because he's at the top of that lineup. You know, just ride it while it's hot. And it's a similar thing with Thomas. So I added him in a couple places. I think all 12 teamers, maybe one 15 teamer. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he's a, he's a very solid ad. He's the type of guy, like kind of down the stretch here, end of the season, can really, be, can really be helpful for you.
0: Yeah. And he started hitting with power over the last week too. a couple home runs. So it could be quite interesting. Interesting to say the least. If Soto's still there, he's helpful to at least get him pitches, thrown in his direction. So, And you mentioned Escobar. like and Josh Bell's actually kind of starting to hit. So the Nats aren't a pushover like you'd expect them to be. They're still not great, but they're not a pushover, which will help Thomas out quite a bit.
1: Uh, yeah, next, I mean, yeah. Josh Bell, just because, like, I mean, he hasn't had a great year at all. Like, it, he just seems like he hasn't done that much. But particularly given the year, yeah, I mean, he's not mm-hmm. playing every day. But you just look at it, I mean – He's He's got 24 home runs. Yeah, he's playing every day pretty much now. He's got 24 home runs, 76 RBIs, 62 runs. He's hitting 252 when the league batting average is whatever, Mm -hmm. 240-something. Like, he's really contributing across the board, and I think really having a very underrated season. He's not – he hasn't been prolific, but he's been steady. He's been solid, and also a guy – that makes a lot of intuitive sense to have in or out of your lineup in any given week, because previously he was essentially sitting against against lefties for Ryan Zimmerman. So if he had a short week or a weekend, you could kind of sit him. And and so that's the type of guy who can be really valuable. So just a shout out to him um, because I don't know, I'm on a microphone. It
0: was always weird with him though because he's a switch hitter. So I always got frustrated when Zimmerman would start over him. I'm like, play Josh Bell. He can hit lefties. Like, uh, stop this garbage. Some managers is like overdo it sometimes. It just it kills me. But I guess if you have Zimmerman, that's what he's there for. You got to play him type thing. It's it's annoying. But now he's playing every day. He's outfield eligible. There's like a list of guys I've been kind of like waiting to talk about in the off season that. They weren't the most consistent. They weren't the most flashy, but it's one of those, like, the old saying, if you just played them and you got the back of the baseball card by the end of the year, they were productive for you. Like, it was never Mm -hmm. comfortable some weeks. You're just like, God, he's hitting so bad, but if I just trust this, I'm like, obviously you're trying to play the good weeks and not play the bad. That's part of the game, but with all the injuries this year, sometimes you're just stuck playing certain guys because that's the only thing you have. So guys like Josh Bell are very valuable. Like you said, like, it's just they're not flashy, but 252 with 25 home runs is pretty darn good. Pretty darn good, all things considered. And imagine if the Nats were actually good still. Like, that could have been a whole – imagine Trey Turner doesn't get COVID and get traded. Like, all these things could be quite, quite interesting. All right, Frank Schwindel, my boy. Like, he is my boy now because I added him everywhere where I lost Reese Hoskins, everywhere. So I got the big six home run week. This was my guy. I was kind of – I was putting, like, minimal bids out for a couple weeks because I didn't really need him just yet, but then I, I had to go for the gusto. So I already had him going into this week. He got picked up in 122 leagues as high as 209 since August 3rd, basically. Once he started playing every day, Toby, he has hit safely in all but four games. He's hitting second pretty much every day. He has 19 extra base hits, 10 home runs. Um, he's hitting 377, like a 404 Babbitt business sustainable, but the dude's done it for over a month now. Like, he's... Even if he takes a step back, like three seventy-seven, he the way he's hitting three ten is like three hundred. Like the dude is crushing it, and he's going to play every day. And the Cubs are sneaky fantasy viable right now with Hap, Ortega, Schwindel. Wisdom's not bad. Like Contreras is still there. It's a fun lineup. Wrigley Field gets live at times. Like these are guys you should be having. I have Ortega and Schwindel in so many places. I lost out on Hap pretty much everywhere. I think. But can we talk about how you love Hap? We talk another week about how he sucks. No, we're not going to go there. I mean, honestly, he went deep again today on Tuesday. He, he went deep to Cubs, again today. He, to he, he the went Cubs deep yesterday. yesterday. Yeah,
1: you need to. Cubs I mean, <laughs> I already went off on him last week, and you want to know something? I I harbor no grudges against like Ian Happ, the actual human, the actual player. Like, it's great that he's playing really well, but just from a fantasy perspective, like what an absolute like dagger to the heart it is to have Ian Happ on your team for so long and to drop him, and literally the week afterwards, he just goes absolutely crazy. He um,
0: wasn't on the Major League roster at one point this season. God. <laughs> like, it's crazy. But that's what uh, bad teams give he, players a chance to play, and then you never know what happens. <laughs> dude,
1: Eric Lauer is actually doing the same thing. He's oh, like I'm, crushing I, my I soul, dude. I dropped him and he
0: dominated this week. And, so uh, dude, I,
1: I dropped oh. him weeks ago because the skills no. weren't great, and he had a really tough – Lineup coming up, and he was injured, and and now he's just been feasting.
0: Real recently. quick, real quick, like, I'll let you get back to to this one. But you talk about tough matchups coming up. Nick Pollock tweeted it out today. So so Chris Paddock's coming back. He has the his next five starts. He's got the Dodgers three times and the dot and the or the Giants three times and the Dodgers twice. Like I'm sorry, people, for your own good. Like I wouldn't have added Chris Paddock to begin with. You guys know my feelings there. Don't add Chris Paddock. <laughs>
1: Dude, um, same with Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan. Yeah, he's got a rough go. The East is going to be tough. You're going to play the East. He's got at Boston, yep. at Toronto, Toronto, at Houston. Yeah, that's a rough go. And it's like, dude, like. This goes man. back to like
0: our preseason stuff. This is the time of year we want central pitching for the most part. Like, all you right. want central pitching. Here it is, folks. A lot
1: of Pirates, a <laughs> lot of Pirates, a yeah. lot of Cubs yeah, for all we. central always where's do? your Wade Miley's at? Where, go get your Wade Miley's. Dude, Wade Miley's today. Michael Gibbons, yep. though. Yep, there, you go. there you go. Back to Frank Schwindel. What do you got? Schwindel. Oh, I mean, I think it's a great profile. I mean, he's, he's the type of guy. He's the types of guy that down the stretch just dominate. Like, he's 29. So he's like older dude, but he makes a decent amount of contact. He's super aggressive. So in OBP leagues, he's not that great unless his Babbitt stays at 365. But like he's over aggressive, but but what that really means is if you have a good contact profile and you're aggressive, it just means that your K rate is super low because you're swinging mm-hmm. everything. So like even if you like miss twice in an at bat, like you still probably have another strike to swing at because you're not taking anything. He's got a 365 BABIP, which obviously is not going to continue, but like he's doing everything fine. And his max exit low is 112.5, so really solid there. He's got 11 barrels. barrel rate, better than league average. He's gotten lucky. You know, the average is elevated, whatever he's gotten lucky on, you know, he's got 11 barrels and 11 home runs. So, you know, probably if he played this out for a full season, he'd probably have about 52 to 55% of his barrels would be home runs, but he's not going to get to play out the full season. So he's going to be great. My guess is, you know, like these last three weeks, he'll probably hit like a home run or two and it'll kind of balance itself out, but you keep he'll him in there. On. He's playing every day. He's helping you in batting average. He's hitting the middle of that lineup. Just keep him in there and, and keep chugging along. You know who
0: I'm going to compare him to right now. Like, I'll dig in on him more in the off season just to see how he finishes the year out. But you mentioned 29 years old. And we've talked about like things have changed in baseball and he's been a journeyman has way to get a shot. He's getting a shot. Now we'll see where he goes to start next year. But that age finally breaking through he could be your next Mike Yastrzemski. Like, nothing flashy. We're still putting up great numbers because it's possible. We've seen it now. So, let's see. That still is a kind of a, a long shot idea. But if he can get regular playing time, there's no reason the dude can't hit like 260, 270 for like good power. Like, he really, like, I don't see why he couldn't. So, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out where he lands next year. Cause I don't even know. He might, I'd imagine at his age, there isn't a whole lot left in that contract, but we'll see. Maybe he's got some options. Who knows? All right. Rowan Wick. Speaking of the Chicago Cubs, adding 118 leagues as high as thirty-three dollars. This is funny because like when they made their trades for Kimbrell and everything, we're like, okay, it's gonna be Rowan Wick. Well, he was rehabbing, they still didn't really want to give him the job. He was kind of sketchy for his first few appearances. Well, now he's getting a little more comfortable. He's picked up three saves in his last four outings, um, been pretty good overall. Looks to be the dude. He was added everywhere. Thoughts on Rowan Wick?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's pitched pretty well. Um, you know, I don't really see any holes in the profile necessarily. Like he's never been, well, I guess, nah, I, mean, I guess he's been fine K wise. Um, he's pitched really well. Like you mentioned, he struggled initially, but I think in his last, however many appearances, he's really, he's done really well. I mean, let's take a look at like, he's done really good at the plate. Yeah. So let's just take a look at his last five appearances, even though that's nothing for a reliever. Um, just to get a sense of like how well he's pitching. He's only given up third runs in three of his like total appearances. Yeah. He's only got like 11. He's so Z contact is way below league average. K rate is way high. The O swing is down. So the walks are up at 15.4%. So, um, but his swinging strike rates at like 14%. So he's, he looks, he looks really solid. The walks are an issue. So, you know, you can always blow up, but sometimes a guy like with a high walk rate, if he's striking guys out, Maybe he's just being a little too fine, and he re- realizes that he can be a little, you know, fine on his pitches and walk some guys as long as he doesn't make mistakes. But um, yeah, like all all looks good for Rowan Wick.
0: All right. Uh, since we have a lot of good listener questions, I'm going to kind of cut us off there. So okay. let's go. Let's go over who we added and dropped this week because it might cover some other guys on that list. And then we'll go to the listener questions. We got a lot of good stuff to go over there. So who'd you add and drop this past week? All right.
1: Let's see. All right. Added Jack Mayfield. I had him in a lot of places just because needed a third baseman and, and he's uh, so essentially what did they do? They uh, they cut Jose Iglesias and essentially said Jack Mayfield is going to be our starting shortstop uh, for the rest of the season. So he's going to play every single day. This is a deep 15 teamer. Um, so I added him. I dropped Willie Castro, who was not playing last week. Um, added Harold Ramirez, who's been playing about three out of every four games for Cleveland since he's come back from injury. Dropped Corey Dickerson just because he had a bunch of lefties this week, so really wasn't going to be playable. Uh, this one might be a little bit surprising. Added Chris Ellis of the Orioles. Dropped Sergio Romo. Ellis has actually looked pretty good for the Orioles. He's a former Rays pitcher. His last outing dropped, you know, some of his skill metrics down a little bit, so it doesn't look as good as it had. But, um, if fan graphs will load here in one second, so 13.4% swinging strike rate, he's got about a 14% K minus walk rate, which is around league average. He's definitely been lucky. One eighty six BABIP, 91.5% strand rate, 14 strikeouts in 16.2 innings. Um, the reason why I picked him up, he's got Kansas city this week, I think tomorrow. So I'm just like crossing my fingers and hoping that works out all right. Uh, I think he's got a tough matchup next week, but after that, I want to say he's got two really nice matchups. Let me just check out here just for anybody who's going to be looking. So he pitches on Wednesday, and then I think he pitches against the Yankees on the following Wednesday. And then I think he's got two starts against at Philly and then home against Texas. So not bad ones. And if he continues to pitch like he has thus far, um, you know, he may be usable in that. So I was thinking of him as a guy – if he pitches well this week, then I keep, keep him around for next week, and maybe he gets that two-step um, in a couple weeks. Uh, so that is one. And then added Alcides Escobar, dropped Kevin Smith. Added Joe Barlow for a buck. Back on the Alex Joe Barlow Red. wagon. Uh, yeah, Nito's closers as much as possible. Uh, added Leody Tavares, 23 bucks. Dropped Jake Myers. It was only a runner-up of six bucks. Like the highest runner-up bid and in, in this in this league was seven bucks total, so I way overspent on that one. Um, I was a little bummed to drop Jake Myers. I probably should have had a little bit more patience. You know, he didn't play against the Padres. McCormick is back and healthy. I thought they'd be exchanging playing time too much. You know, what does he do? He hits a three-run homer. I think he drives in like four or five on, on I Monday. Dropped, no, no. I dropped him until it works, too. I know how you feel. Yeah, Um, added Bobby Bradley, dropped Hunter Dozier. I love this for the rest of the season, but if you need power, but also this week, uh, Cleveland is playing eight right-handed pitchers this week. So Bobby Bradley should be in there every single game. Um, And there's some pretty sweet matchups as well there. Uh, Added Garrett Whitlock, dropped Adam Ottavino. I just had an inkling that Ottavino might not be the closer anymore and that they'd go to Whitlock. I was right. Unfortunately, Whitlock did not get the save. <laughs> he wasn't able to keep it together. Uh, I got him for ratios. This is like a purely ratios league for me. And I also added Blake Trine and I dal- dropped Dalton Varsho. Um, Of course, Dalton Varsho plays right field and gets a stolen base. You know, after I drop him when I desperately need stolen bases, but oh well. I'm not bitter. I'm, I don't harbor any feelings of bitterness at all towards anyone. Um, added Bobby Bradley. dropped Justin Upton. Added Alcides Escobar. Dropped Kevin Smith. Uh, Oh, this league is just an interesting league. This is a main event league, ladies and gentlemen. Added Michael A. Taylor, dropped Brian Anderson, $4 to $1. Added Lane Thomas, dropped Connor Joe, $3 to $1. Added Jeff McNeil, dropped Yadier Hernandez, $2 to no backup bid. Added Andres Jimenez, dropped Owen Miller, $2, no backup bid. Added Andrew Kittreds, dropped Spencer Patton, $1, no backup bid. Added Andrew Chafin, dropped Kevin Smith, no backup bid. Wow. All in one league. Wow. So all I got to say is put those bids in. You never yep. know what is going to come through. Um, so that was like a real gold mine. We'll see if it bears fruit, but um, that was a really good week for me on that one. Next one, Bobby Bradley again dropped Jose Trevino. Um. Added Jack Mayfield, dropped uh, Kevin Smith, added Harold Ramirez, dropped Justin Upton, added Andrew Chafin, dropped Chad Green, added Pete Fairbanks, dropped Tommy Lastella, added Anthony Alford, dropped Yadiel Hernandez, who, of course, only played two of his last five games against right-handed pitchers, and now he's in the lineup hitting three-run homers. Um, welcome to the end of the season, ladies and gentlemen um and then the last or i got two more 15 teamers we got added bobby bradley dropped connor joe because he went to the il added joe barlow dropped brad keller um who i'd kept around for another week because if he had come back on time from the il he would have had two starts against the orioles and some other bad team i think cleveland uh then added jack mayfield dropped kevin smith added harold castro Dropped Dominic Smith. Harold Castro, of course, was playing every day last week, and Willie Castro wasn't playing at all. And now we've reversed it. Uh, Check it the, I, and reverse it. I did the same um, thing. Yeah. Oh, God. I hate that. I got to work with the best we've got, right? Added yep. Giovanni Gallegos, dropped Jake Myers, added Corey Kluber, dropped Paven Smith, is in TGPi. Added Lane Thomas, dropped Derek Hill. In 12 teamers, it was added Laodie for 11 bucks, dropped J- Connor Joe. Added Corey Kluber, dropped Andrew Vaughn. In that league, I really need just stolen bases and K's and K's and wins. Um, added Andrew Critridge, dropped Devin Williams. Added Lane Thomas, dropped Jake Myers. These are twelve teamers. Added Carter Keyboom, dropped Hunter Dozier. This is just for third base. Added Nick Solak. Solak dropped Austin Nola. I have Yasmani Grandal and um, either JTR or Sal Perez, Perez on yeah, that one. Good. And then added Nestor Cortez, dropped Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks still sucks. Added T- Laodie Tavares, dropped Nick Solak. The Nestor Cortez one was brutal because right after Fab run, they announced I think on Monday that they that the Yankees were going to a six man rotation, or else it was like right before Fab. And so Nestor Cortez was oh now that now that Cole's injured though who knows? Uh-huh. But Nestor Cortez was is pitching on Thursday. And then next week he has a two-start against at Baltimore and then against Cleveland. So I was getting him for next week, essentially. Um, and those are the picks that I had.
0: Yeah, the Nestor Cortez thing pissed me off because I couldn't get a direct answer from anybody. And the good old trustee a wire deal, and I don't blame them for this, still had him pitching Wednesday against Toronto. So I was just – I have him in, like, starting in two leagues and not starting in another league. I wish I had him in all leagues now because of everything. But, yeah, that's that's how the season's going. He kind of nailed it on a few other topics during this, but that's – uh. How it's going? So for me, tgfbi added Leody Tavares, dropped Connor Joe four dollars to zero, added Odabel Herrera trying to run the hot bat there, dropped Wilmer Flores on the IL two IL guys three for zero, then added DJ Peters, dropped Phil Gosselin, which we'll see how that one comes back to bite me in the butt because um, I don't know Phil's yeah annoying. Uh, my OC qualifier where the lead is dwindling quickly because my pitching is horrible. I grabbed Jose Urquidy, dropped James Caprillion. Nice. So that one. I got him for $4 with no runner-up bid. Oh, man, um, Urquidy. Yeah, so I'm happy about that one. And then I grabbed Bailey Ober, uh, dropped Eliezer Hernandez, $2 to $1. Um, I wanted Ober's two starts. Then they started piggybacking, but he still went four strongs. So they go two four-inning outings, it'll work out in the end for me. So I'll take it, but... Picking piggybacking yeah. with, piggybacking that, that, with that was with,
1: brutal news, you know. Yeah,
0: and of course, like I try to do the family thing. I set my fab in the morning. I go do stuff for the family all day, and I come back to after their fab period. Uh, That's real, man. It's real. Yeah. I'm like, sweet, like, well, is what it is. Let's go. Uh, so we're gonna live with it, but. um yeah, it, uh, like the uh, other options in Minnesota to possibly piggyback with, they did not need to pick Bailey over. I'm like, what are you doing? He's been just fine. But I digress. Thing,
1: I started him too in my leagues. I had him in a couple places, and I knew ahead of time. And I was like, you want to know something? He's probably going to give me eight innings of solid yep. pitching with maybe eight to ten Ks. And at this He's point so in the season, prepared. even knowing you're you're not going to get any Ks, yep. or, or you're not going to get any wins, I mean, what are the chances I'm going to get a win yeah, somewhere else? And pick
0: yeah, so give me strikeouts and ratios. Let's go. His first outing was four decent innings. Like, do it again. I'll take it. Um, And one of my satellites, I got Leo Tavares. dropped Connor Joe, got Torrey Mateo, dropped Seth Brown. And then I grabbed Garrett Whitlock with you as well, dropped James Caprillion. I'm a big Caprillion fan, but he's broken right now. So, um, And Whitlock, I liked him for multiple reasons, multiple innings, chances at wins, chances to future saves, right. ratios, strikeouts. Like, I, I was a fan of just grabbing that to stuff like – just so stuff on my rotations to see how we go.
1: Yeah. My, on, yeah. on Whitlock, like, uh, when I was looking at him, just to emphasize your point on the Ks, like, honestly, like, okay, this is Garrett Whitlock's last appearances, the number of Ks. Two, two, one, two, two, four, one, three, three, three. Like, that's, that's a dude who's only pitching, like, he throws five 1. 1 a week to you. two. Yeah. Like last <laughs> week, last week, he would have given you four and two thirds innings. Um, you know, he did, he has given up three earned runs, which kind of sucks, but five Ks. You know, yep. that's better than like a to win too,
0: I like think last week.
1: Yeah, that's better than ninety percent of the guys are gonna exactly. pick up off the off the wire. I mean, yep. he's gonna give you more Ks than Edward Cabrera is gonna give you yep. in two starts.
0: Yeah. You, you had to mention that, didn't you? No, no, but no, it's fine. It's it's just stings because everything pointed to greatness from Cabrera is is nowhere to be found. But um, yeah, so I like Whitlock quite a bit. If you guys need help with that and he's available, I'd really, really consider it. And then my last satellite, I got Nick Solak for nine dollars, uh, drop Rafael Ortega. Grab Nestor Cortez there and I grabbed Bailey Obert in that league as well. Another James Caprillion drop. I dropped Madison Bumgarner. I finally uh I enjoyed what I got from him, moved on. That's one that I didn't feel too super comfortable with, but he's got a tough schedule ahead. He's got a lot of Padres Giants and Dodgers on his docket. So it was good it was a good run while we had it, uh Bumgarner. It was a good run. All right, let's talk about some listener questions. Like I said, you guys came through in a big, big way. Keep doing it this way. This makes the show honestly a lot better. If you bring the questions, it's, it's, it's a really good deal. So we'll start with my buddy Dave Petros Yellow, and I understand the question this time. So uh, he says, Sunday, the Mick posted his rest of season pre- pre- uh, rankings, and he did a top 12 for next year. I believe this is Mick Shella from uh, Fantrax. Really good dude. If it is who it is, I think that's who it is. Um, Jose Ramirez just missed the cut at number 13, and a few of us discussed that with him. I love J- I love Joe Ram again next year in the 8 to 12 range. He had Trout 11th. No way I draft him next year. hate to say it, but I see a Griffey-like 30s for Trout. Hope I'm wrong, but he's racking up the injuries and in his five month calf injury, which I like, the longest calf injury in the last six years. Doesn't make me feel good about this. So basically what he's asking, would you have J Ram in your top 12? And what are you doing? Where would you take trout next year? Those are the oh, two man. questions.
1: Well, and I think this goes for a lot of the questions we got. Cause we got a lot of 2022 20, questions. It's so hard to know right now. Like I gotta do, I gotta like, I gotta go deep um, and check it out. But just looking at the player radar, for instance, Jose Ramirez right now is uh, he's sixth. Yeah, he's on on the uh, on the player radar, and that's that's total um, for the full season. Um, let's let's make sure we're looking at fifteen team leagues here. Let um, I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna verify. But like, I mean, the thing about J Ram is yeah. So he's the he's the sixth best hitter. Um, he's fantastic. It's really hard to quibble with anything. I mean, the batting average, I don't think is the batting average. Isn't great. Right. Um, This year, but, like I'd want to say, but it's we like know crazy. it can be better. Like you're
0: probably getting, you're probably getting his floor right now. Like batting yeah.
1: average. Why? So like, that's a good thing. You're getting steals. You're getting power. Like, yeah. So I, I have no problem. with. I mean, what you really want to get in, in that first round is you want to get five calories. power speed combos, man. And he's in two sixty, So it's not even that bad. He's 3220 with a, pretty much four weeks left in the season. So he'll probably sim- finish with something like 37 home runs and like 24 games. stolen bases, yeah. which is an insanely good season. For and and I, will, I, I will add that he is likely, I think he will probably be traded this offseason um, by Cleveland, Cleveland just sweeter. because yeah. he's got what, like one year left on his deal or something like that. Cleveland's going to want to get something. And um, so he could be on a really good contending team next year. And he's fantastic. So, yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I have I have J-Ram as a, as a first-round pick. So, yes, that'd
0: be my top 12 also. Like, uh, I know fifteenth players is different, but I think you and I were on J-Ram around, like, seven-ish this last year. Like, we had him pretty high because of the five-category upside that he brings to the table pretty much after, like, those big shortstops and a couple of pitchers. I think J-Ram was pretty close to being in the conversation topics, at least back into the first round at the latest. So, yeah, I'd say top 12 is pretty safe there. I wouldn't have Trout t- first round. I know, I know the talents there. I get it. I have to get steals if I'm taking a, a hitter in the starts. That was my stance last year. It'll be my stance next year. Could it backfire? Like he could be the next Miguel Cabrera that just crushes four categories for you. Or JD Martinez a couple years ago just doesn't steal bags. That's awesome. If you can draft accordingly, that's fine. I just I like to build my teams the way I do. And um, so Trout probably will not be on my teams barring something crazy happening. What about you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't really have a ton of interest in trout. I mean, it could be interesting if he drops like a significant amount, you know, the second round, we'll talk like, we'll we can make a discussion point of that. Like if I get J Ram in the first
0: and I'm kind of punting pitchers and I can get like trout in like the middle of the second, we have a
1: conversation. For sure. And one thing to remember too, is like, I mean, he's been out for a very long time um, this year, but he's never really been out for that long in previous seasons so let's say you 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 buy him you get him in the second round, right? And he makes he makes he plays in seventy five percent of the Angels games next year. I mean that combined with whatever you add on the waiver wire to support it is still going to be probably you know a really good player. So uh, I, I don't mind it. I mean the problem yeah is the speed like you mentioned like you got to figure out how to make up, make that up.
0: And, like, the calf injury stinks. There's no joking about that. But I guess the bright side of it is is they didn't rush him back and had him re-agitate it. And so it's a soft tissue thing. So he has all off season to kind of get it right and be ready for it. So on paper, he should show up, like, ready to rock and roll, which is another, I guess, plus in the scenario. So a lot of things can be happening. Like Toby said, there's some other 2022 questions. We're going to leave for a later pods. Like, I'm going to save them, and we will talk about them in the future but there's some of them we're just not going to get to on a, on this show because a will give you a half ass probably bad answer and b it's going to be the wrong answer probably just because we don't know so we're going to save some of those for you as well all right Yancey eaton some of you might have heard of him good guy um are there some big names you're considering dropping this week kershaw bogarts geo come to mind i want to be proactive but also want to win well, thanks for listening to the show because I dropped Kershaw like three weeks ago. So appreciate that, Yancey. Mister, I listen to all the podcasts, but uh, anybody on your list? Because I think it's almost open season on dropping people, to be honest.
1: Um, yeah, I would have dropped Kershaw a while ago. Like I, I dropped Jacob Degrom like a month and a half ago or something like that, right when the injury injury news came out. Because it's like. You could have them for like one or two starts, but like I think even with Kershaw, they're talking about him just going four innings or coming in middle relief. You know, um, they want to get him right for the playoffs. And, and I don't think the regular season is is that critical to them. Um, you know, Giolito is a tough one because it wasn't an arm injury, it was a hamstring, I think. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he came back maybe like the back end of next week. Because I think that's one thing the White Sox have to be a little bit careful of, because I know Rodon had some arm fatigue, and so he's probably not pitching this week, is, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to have your guys ready for the playoffs. I think it's another, like, if their first start is going to be, you know, after yeah, the they need to Yeah, they need to kind of have some momentum going to the playoffs. So I think having, like, a two- or three-week run at the playoffs. So I think I think Geo probably gets, like, two to three remaining starts, and so I think he's probably worth holding on to unless, you know, if your ratios are set and you're just looking for a volume play or something like that, then... And maybe him. I mean, Bogarts was back in the lineup today, so I don't think that's more of an issue. I think with with the pitchers, I think it's just a matter of like trying to figure out like okay, what is the timeline that they're generally like? It was the same with Bieber. I dropped Bieber a month and a half ago too. Like when when he was when he hadn't even thrown, and you know, it's just like there, there's no reason to really push him either with Cleveland not not competing. So um, so I just think with pitchers, I'm a lot quicker to drop them. Um, But it also depends on what the injury is and what their recuperation looks like. So with Giolito, where it's not his arm, like theoretically he can, and I haven't looked this up, so I'm, I'm probably wrong on it, but like he could just, he could still be playing, you know, throwing a lot, right. As compared to somebody who has a shoulder injury, you know, who doesn't throw at all and then needs to like start back up like Pablo Lopez and start back up at 25 pitches and then 35 pitches. And then, 45, then 65, you know, and kind of mapping that out and figuring it out. So I do think I'm pretty quick to move on because we only have three more pat- fab periods, but a lot of it just depends on the individual situation that the guy has and what the latest news is. But I mean, the thing is like sometimes you're going to make mistakes and you're going to move on from guys before you should have. And maybe you get another chance of them in fab, maybe you don't, but those are kind of some of those close calls that you got to figure out. And also the guy might not pitch well, like it's perfectly, Geo's perfectly capable of coming back and giving up six earned runs and a third of an inning against the Red Sox because he's tipping pitches. So,
0: yeah, the fun thing with like a Geo, it's he comes back, probably throws three more starts, but they're probably five inning starts. But it's to get his arm loose, but not like go too deep with them. Those five innings are still probably better than a lot of guys on the waiver wires, five innings. So that's what makes it interesting with him. Um, some of the, so the ones that I've been baffling with, and I might end up finally pulling the trigger this weekend, depending on what more news comes out. Guys like Willie Adamas, he might be gone pretty soon because he's been battling that hamstring injury for a while. They have no need to overdo it with him, like make him perfectly healthy, play him every other day. At that point, is he really like – the way he's hitting every other day, Adamus is still pretty good, but that's that's kind of a tough one. So he, he's a guy that's, that's on my mind for a potential cut this weekend. I want to keep an eye on Garrett Coleth with a hamstring injury on t- uh, Tuesday night. If we find out like Wednesday or Thursday, he goes on the I.L., that's a full week, maybe part of the next week. Where do you get two more cold starts? Where that's interesting. That's one where you could literally yeah. you, could feas- you could feasibly see a drop cold, but that's tough. That's tough because that those that cold injury is brutal. Because soft tissue injuries are the ones that are scary because they don't heal. There's no like ram like you'd rather, like they say you'd rather break a bone because at least it's you got a plan to heal these soft tissues. They all heal differently for everybody. You can re aggravate them really quickly too if you rush them back. So it's a really really touchy thing with uh, guys like Cole is going to be one to definitely, definitely monitor going forward. Uh, and there, there's, there's a few of them throughout the rest of the league, but right now I don't have anybody outside of a That's clear on my mind. Um, Geo's a good one. I still think we get, like you said, about three starts with him. Lynn Lynn's about the same scenario. His is a shoulder thing though. So keep that in mind. Um, but he was playing catch yesterday in the alpha with Rodon pregame long toss just to get loose to hopefully come back. I think next week, so he's another one to keep an eye on. But it's like one of those, any slip up in the progress, then they probably become a cut. Like just keep an eye on it. If all of a sudden Thursday or Friday, well, there's been a setback. Now he won't pitch until maybe the end of the next week. Well, he's probably maybe getting cut then is what's coming down to. So uh, keep an eye on that. It's going to be fun because you need live bodies right now. <laughs> the bench guys do not help you at all. All right. Uh, question here from Richard Sands. This is a 2022 and we can answer. Question came up in a league chat. Where does sale go next year? And same for Verlander. Um, where do you have those two?
1: Um, I don't know about Verlander. Uh yeah, sale, a massive question mark still. Sales probably like a second or third rounder would be my guess next year. He's, um, he's elite still. He's elite. He's still really good. Uh, last start was brutal, but he also gave up like, I don't know. I think his BABIP against was, he didn't give up any home runs and strikeout for like a 688 bab up against for the day. Um, I think sales probably second, third rounder. just like if he, if he's not injured at all, right. He's like top of the first round, but um, you know, given he's in the AL East, given the injury history, I think second or third round is probably where he goes Verlander's I think going to be a lot further back. I mean, I think um, I'm trying to think of what a good example would be of like a post Tommy John, guy who should be fully healthy who comes back is but i would guess like probably top 100 oh if um, he's
0: fully healthy he's gonna be in the he's gonna be high up there you think so yeah because if he's fully healthy then you're gonna they have no reason to slow play verlander like if he's fully healthy he'll get you at least 120 130 and at least i'd say 150 and that out of verlander is outstanding they have no reason to slow play him
1: yeah all right, we'll see what look, happens. Look what,
0: look what they're doing with McCullers this year. He's getting a pretty getting decent him. workload. Let me see where he's at right now. Lance McCullers Jr. And he was one people were worried about. He had a little hiccup, but he's got 138 innings pitched right now. He's going to get well over 150. There's no reason Verlander won't go over 150 if he's healthy to start the season. And if that's the case, third round, sec- late second, <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's a risky pick, no doubt about it. 100% Dave McDonald will tell you no right now but um that's
1: still like an elite profile
0: if if it is verlander a healthy verlander so yeah i think that's an interesting one if he's healthy
1: it is going to be really interesting there's man it's going to be fascinating next year it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see where people go
0: but chris sale i think literally because we're seeing him pitch well pitch healthy if he continues this progress he's back to the chris sale like early second in a in a, in a 15-teamer. I think he could. He might be one of those guys that sneaks in if certain guys drop late first, but I think he's more of an early second type guy. I think he'll go way up there. That's, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. All right, um, we're not going to do the mock draft. We'll save that one for later, Liam. Sorry. Uh, the Guilds asks, how do you catch Phil Dusso?
1: Uh, I replied with a gif that said it's impossible. Yeah, it is impossible. Um, well, I think... I know that Phil's like very close to le- losing his lead. I think. Um, there's a couple guys I think Emmett Ruland has a really good team that's in second overall that may be catching up with him. So it's going to be, you know, none of this is ever easy. And teams go up, teams go down. And, and when all is said and done, we'll see where it is. But shout out to, um, Andrew, um, the guilds on, um, he's on Twitter. Too. He's, ha- yeah, he's having a fantastic season. He's beating me in a, in an OC I know he's in first place there and yeah, he's uh, he's gonna have one of those that I like, guess not gonna get the Phil do
0: so rep but he's gonna cash so many places and just have yeah. a monster season <laughs>
1: like, it's and it's not be. it's it's not like a one season wonder either he's no he's no, no, no no routinely a very very good in all of his leagues so definite yes. shout out to him
0: our buddy Ben Ted at breaking Ben underscore T says going into this past Sunday I was out of fab in two of his three leagues how do you guys manage to keep track of your money Do you track it in a spreadsheet or just have an idea of something? I know I probably have a caveman method, but how do you go about it?
1: Um, So, I mean, your fab is right there in the top right corner. And I think one of the challenges of fab is what I do at the end of every week is I count the highest bids. So if I hit every single one of my bids, what what will I have left? And I think that's absolutely critical because... I mean, I don't want to be mean, Ben, but you can't have zero fab for yeah, an extended period really, of We you talk can, about that a lot, really. We about that Especially at the end of this season, when pitching is going to be moving, you've got to be able to at least make moves to fill roster spots. And so you always need to be cognizant of having money left over and never having your fab bids, the top level of them, accumulate to your higher total. than yeah than your total. Um, and so it's rough, but that's the way you gotta go and sometimes you know that that top bid is not competitive, but you gotta do that because the worst thing to possibly happen is even if you get every player that you want with three weeks left is you're left with zero fab because then you can't make any moves, and it really really handcuffs you because there are gonna be there's gonna be guys there's gonna be guys who win leagues, you know, not like teams but like players that are out there in the waiver wire pool who have a hot three weeks and they're going to win leagues and you're not going to have access to them. You're going to have pitchers that get tremendous two-star weeks in, you know, weeks where there's just nothing, where it's barren landscape and you're not going to be able to get, get them. So, you know, really count up those top bid numbers and make sure that they don't, that they leave you some money because I'd much rather not get the guys that I want and be left with some money you know, maybe with two weeks left, you know it's a different story. You try to map it out. You try to take advantage of maybe people not being as aggressive in that second to last week. But you know, for having like a month without being able to make fab moves, uh, it's just really rough. It's really hard yeah. to do.
0: That happened to me in TJPi last year. I had like the last two weeks with no money. That was a short season, so that was fun, but um, but that was I, I blame COVID for a lot of that. Um, but this year, like we talked about it, there's a reason why I know you didn't do a ton of it, and I don't do a lot of the let's go crazy bidding stuff, like all those closers that went for a ton of money. I didn't go in on any of those. At least like, I went maybe a third of the price that they were going for. And so I ended up with that. And it's helped me at least get like the small bids we keep talking about every week on guys. I got like getting Rosie or Kitty was huge for me. We'll see how he performs. But I think getting a guy like that for the next three weeks could be tremendous in, in those kind of looks. But like when I was putting my bids in this week, for instance, I don't have a spreadsheet, but like you said, the money, the numbers in the corner. So I'm sitting there putting my bids in going, this is what I need for my team. I need these positions filled this week. But I also need like, 2 to 2 to 3 dollars on average for the next 3 weeks if I can. So I want like anywhere from like let's say let's just say 5 to 10 bucks left over if I can. At worst, give me like 3 to 4 bucks left over. Like I want to be able to have a chance to put a dollar bid out there if I need to on something in case an injury pops up or whatever to keep a pulse in the lineup. Other than that, we're bidding. So it's it's kind of what you're saying, make sure your numbers match up so you're not draining your account, but my goal in my head was make sure you have at least enough for a couple dollars per week going forward and as you said maybe you know two weeks from now we say screw it i'm taking this guy and we're rolling and seeing what happens but even that last week if you can get like two or three one dollar guys that all of a stuff like it could be tremendous like you said it just put you over the top you get like three extra strikeouts could all of a sudden catapult you somewhere just random little things like that so i've done it i've been there with you ben i understand it, it sucks it really sucks and i that was the league that i was second in T- no this this was two years ago now i think about it. I was second tgfbi and all of a sudden I started falling to fifth, but then all of a sudden my team got hot again. Like I wasn't making any moves. I still finished in third. I was just outside a second, but it wasn't a comforting feeling knowing you're basically handcuffed on Sunday. So it's a learning, learning experience is how I would describe that. And uh, it's why I temper my overall bids throughout the season. That's the biggest thing. So I'd rather be able to make moves in August and September than in March or like in June, even though they say you might get the guy for longer, we've watched enough this season that hasn't been the case. So maybe it's a fluky season. I don't know, but that's that's my philosophy. All right, a couple more questions here. Ms. We will do the top ten starting pitchers on a later date for twenty twenty two. We will get to that. Uh, Todd Whitestone asks Toby Bubba, not a fab question, but interested in your thoughts on these three starting pitchers drafted in rounds one and two. They've been largely healthy, yet the results have been mediocre. What do you think about the rest of 21 and 22 for each? let listen going. Aaron Nola, you Darvish, Lucas Gilito. So let's just Aaron, say how do you oh how God. do you how do you feel about them going forward?
1: Uh Nola's skills are really good. I mean, I, I'm just flabbergasted by what's happening to him. Like it's kind of like today was a great, was a great, like just um uh, personification is the wrong word, but just great. Like analogy yeah, cool. for his full season or whatever. Like he gave up six hits, he gave up three earned runs in five, struck out six, five of the six hits. I think we're in a row, you know? And that's just the type of stuff where it's like, those are things that happen. I don't know whether he's doing something that he's never had trouble with. Like when runners are on base or like what the deal is, but I, I, he's just been been a lot of la- la- bad luck. He's going to be a discount next year, and I think I'm going to have a lot of Aaron Nola probably. Um, Lucas Giolito, uh, I'm fine on. I don't think he's a second rounder for next year, but I'd be fine. Kind of like back end of third, early fourth. You know, his K's have not been great. Since you want to know what we should actually do here, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at just his rolling average graphs. I'm going to see how many games he's pitched since the substances. Cause we know he was a guy that was impacted yeah. by the substances and that's not a critique of him as like as a pitcher or as a human being, but just like he was definitely impacted by it. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's had eight starts since the sticky stuff was uh, banned. And let's take a look at some of the key metrics that we like to look at. So eight game rolling average, O swing, Z contact, swinging strike, K and walk percentage. So over his last eight games, he has 79.4% Z contact. That's elite. His O swing is 31%. It's fine. It's right around league average. His K percent is close to 26%. His swinging strike rate is 15.6% elite. His walk rate is 7.7%. So he's still got about an 18 plus percent K minus walk. The Ks are still really good. If you were to look at a shorter number of games too, he actually gets a lot better. His Z contact is 71.8 over his last four. You know, the walk rate is up to 9%, but his swinging strike rate's at 19.7%. You know, so I think the thing that we've seen with both Giolito and Cole And I haven't monitored their spin rate, but they've adjusted, you know, like they started out and they struggled without the substances, but they're good pitchers. They adjusted. I still think he's really good. So getting him kind of three, four, maybe even later, depending on on what the narrative is around him, I think is is key. You actually really concerns me. He has flown under the radar, but he's probably the guy that has been impacted the most by substances. If you looked at his spin rates, once they started cracking down on the on the on the banned substances my god have they dipped considerably i mean like just like and nobody i haven't really seen anybody mention it cuz he's such a likable dude and i'm just going to make sure that i'm that i'm accurately portraying this before i do anything so i'm going to look at his his um little rolling guys here and so i'm going to look at not his pitch percentage but i'm going to look at his active spin rates i'm going to look at by month for 2021 and so let's look at this so his um, his cutter went from 28-23 oh well maybe it hasn't been as as far of a drop as I anticipated I'm going to take it back unless he's added some recently but I remember like the first two starts afterwards he's been hurt too they were really bad. So maybe it's the hurt. Maybe it's the hurt. I'm sorry. I should do my research before I accuse people of using the, the substances. But like the thing is, his skills have dipped um, a little bit. Um, let's take a look. And I should also just check out the, the velo. We'll check a look at his velo right now. Um, so I'm going to look at his rolling average graphs. Um, I since believe the VLO's dropped, I believe, too. The VLOs dropped as well. So maybe it's just an injury. Apologies, you. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. So he's had six starts. We all know how those have gone um, since uh, since the bad substances went into place. And then let's, and this is actually something that I recommend people do, like looking at next year, just see how over those, however many starts it was they looked at. Um, all right. So his Z contact is up at 84%. Um, his strikeout rate is still 30.5%. His uh, O swing is is way down. It's around 30%. His swinging strike is down at 12%. His walk rate is still really low. Let's take a look at that velo. Um, so his fastball velocity, yeah, is way down. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was at like 95.2, 95.1 pre-injury. He's now at 94. So he's down a mile per hour. So really that that demonstrates why there's the loss in the spin rate. So I apologize for that. I shouldn't have been uh, throwing that around. Um, So essentially like what that tells me is there are injury issues here. We know there are injury issues, you know, but still like as a 35 year old pitcher with injury issues and an injury history, you know, it's, I'm a little leery. The one thing I'll say about you is those skills are still really good. Um, What I'll tell you has happened is we look at the luck metric. So home run per fly ball. We'll also look at BABIP and then we'll also look at strand rate because those are kind of more luck metrics. So his BABIP is near a three year high at 324 over those six starts. His home run per fly ball is at 29%, which is the, which is tied about, for the highest level he's had over three years. But again, the VLO is down, the spins down a little bit. Um, And then the swinging strike rate is obviously down. The strand rate is at 49.2%. So it's way down. So he's been super, super, super unlucky. The skills have also gone down a little bit, but theoretically he should still be good down the stretch, but it's just so hard to tell like how much is the injury, how much is the decreased VLO? impacting his ability to make mistakes right his command inside the zone all of those key pieces the control is still there he's not walking guys but he's clearly just getting absolutely destroyed um, when the ball when people are making contact so long way of saying I don't know use more of a question mark for me rest of season and and going forward but we saw with Max Scherzer this year right I, I was off of him this year because of the batted ball quality in the shortened season and He's made a fool of me, so who knows?
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you pitches against the Angels on Wednesday because it's not a great offense. So, he's it's he's, his first two starts back from the IL were not great. So we'll have to see how um how this one pans out, but it could be a nice spot. I'm all in on Gio again next year. I've loved what he's done since he uh, got comfortable again from the sticky stuff. As, like I said, I listened to him a lot on the Chris Rose rotation, and he kind of talked about how he started working through things. He didn't flat out say sticky mm. stuff. But yeah. he discussed uh, some things he was doing to go back to his old ways, basically. And you can kind of mm-hmm. see the development as things have gone on there. So that's been a great sign to see. Noel is interesting because, yeah, the metrics all show you should be a lot better. But uh, he hasn't been. It's been very, very, very weird. It's like, is he one of the ones that the unicorns that the metrics just don't matter? I don't think so. But um, it's very, very interesting. He could come at a, a huge discount, as you're saying. I will say this much about you, Darvish. I'll take Verlander over you in next year's draft right now.
1: Ooh, I'll, wow, Bubba, I'll laying, it, laying it down.
0: Assuming Verlander's healthy, like we said in the previous question, if he's healthy and ready to go week one, I'll take him over you, Darvish, right now. So, I'm I'll, I'm gonna put plant that flag on Verlander. I don't know how much I'll get him because I still don't want to draft injury guys early, but. It's one of those, if he pans out, he's still a freaking monster. So that could be very, very, very strong. Like, he could have the Scherzer type season. That's the thing. Like I really wouldn't be shocked. Then again, he's old, and Tommy John's not a good thing to come back from. David Mendelson says, If Wander Franco becomes a second or third round pick next year, will you be willing to draft him that high on any of your teams? I tweeted out the other day that Wander Franco is going to um, go very, very high in ADP next year. The discussion I had was kind of Boba levels. Middle, second round is where I see him going in drafts. And if you want a very talented player, like uh, people were down on Bichette and he's been quite productive and pretty much worth his draft price, I think Wander's worth every penny. The power is going to continue to develop with Wander Franco. The speed's the question mark because we've seen it, but not in the bigs. I think that comes as well. But his on-base skills is undeniable, and that's something you just can't teach a young kid. So when the power continues to come with that on that team, that's still going to be very offensively gifted He's gonna be a monster and worth every penny, and he's gonna be shortstop and third base eligible. I think, which is gonna be, I think you'll have to double check that later on as we we'll see where the season yeah. ends. But he's playing all over the diamond. He's at
1: fifty three. He's got fifty three games at short. He's got eight at third base. So I think for NFC, oh, he's, he's got to get. Yeah, I think he's, he's got to get to twenty. Twenty. Yeah. So it's
0: just shortstop. But man, even in season, he might get the ten games at third base and switch over for you because they're gonna move him around. It's the, it's the Rays. They're gonna play him every day. I think like. I, I was I loved Bichette last year. I was still hesitant to take him mid-second. He's worth it in my opinion. I think Franco will be worth it. I'm trying not to to make that mistake. The one thing we had in the comment in the tech in the tweet thread on my tweet, there's always going to be at least one guy in your draft that's a big Franco guy. And he's probably going to want him more than you. So if you want him, you're going to have to go high to get him. That's the biggest thing I could say. So to me, it's mid-second round, is where I think he goes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the key is the speed because the thing is like, I mean, he's just, there's nothing out of the ordinary. He makes a crap ton of contact. Babbit's not crazy. The home run per fly ball is super low. He's still got seven home runs. He just makes so much contact. You know, it's just a fantastic profile to have could easily see him hitting 300, having a hundred plus runs, you know, 80 RBI. The question will be though, is those counting stats are the ones the, the batting average is tough to get. Those counting stats are the ones that, you know, yeah, that's huge, but where you can get those kind of later in drafts. And so with that power speed combo, like what are we talking about? Are we talking about 2010? Are we talking about 2015, 25-15? Because when you get at 25-15 in the first round with a 300 batting average or second round, first or second round, Then I think we're in the conversation. But if the projections have him like they do right now, I mean, right now they have him. um, I had it up. So just to give you a sense, like uh, for 100 plate appearances, the Bat X has him at 288, three home runs, and two stolen bases. If you project that over the course of a full season, 600 plate appearances, you're talking about 18 and 12. 12. Now, I think that's low. I think that's low. I think it's low, you know, he's, he's already got seven so far this year, but he's also almost at 300 plate appearances. And so let's, let's take a look at the, so he's got a 109.6 max EV barrels that are 11. I mean, you've got to project some growth in some of these stat cast metrics. That's that's my biggest thing. He's going to develop. So, I mean, I think he's, you know, so maybe you're going 25, 15 for him with a 300 batting average. That's incredibly solid with those counting stats. The question is like, who are you going up against? Is it like a Bo Bichette who is more of a 30, 20 guy, you know, like those are the questions. I think he's going to be a really solid pick. It's crazy to say it about whatever he is, 19, 20 year old, but I think he's going to be like a, like a floor guy, like where it's just like an insanely good floor. And it's just going to be a matter of, of whether you, you know, what you want to do with that, because it's clear from his profile, like major league pitchers are not tricking this dude. Like, He's crushing if anything, Chris Sale those and are going I know he, he owns yeah. Chris Sale. God, every time Chris Sale was pitching and I was looking at my like box score and Wander was up, I was like, oh, God, this isn't going to end well. But, I mean, it's it's a fascinating, fascinating guy. I mean, he's yeah. great.
0: Yeah, the, the two things. The floor he brings, which allows you to take chances later in the draft, is tremendous. And he's still young and he's still going to keep developing – he could be that game changer where you know projections say 25-15, but no one would be shocked if he goes 35-20. Because people didn't think Bichette would be 30-20 this year. And there's Bichette who's young and developing. These guys keep taking leaps, and he's got the talent. Like there's a reason he was the well-renowned number one prospect all across baseball. He was the one guy everyone's like, okay, draft him in pre-drafts. Like, go for it. Now next year we might be talking about Bobby Witt in this conversation. So it's just I think Frank Frank, what Franco gives you. Is if you're willing to take a chance on upside, which is never, you know, the greatest thing in the world, he brings a ton of potential upside to your team. He's not just like, you know, as much as I love Trey Turner, I love him. You know, you're getting in the first round, you're going to get like 25 to 30 and like probably 40 steals. Like, that's what you're going to get with Trey Turner, which is outstanding. But you don't expect him to go too much crazier than that, unless just randomness happens, where Franco could be Trey Turner. But maybe with the homer and stolen bases switched. Like that's an option. And that's that's a game changer type situation. So I think it, it depends on what kind of, like in an overall contest, I think Franco is a phenomenal pick. I think he gives you that extra oomph in an overall, where if you're just in a regular standalone league, maybe you go somewhere else. But I think Franco's going to be a fun discussion. Biggest thing is someone's going to want him in that draft. How bad do you want him? Is the question. Yeah. All right, two more questions for us tonight. We've got. Um, wow, people uh, really coming through with the questions. Shout out. Yep. Joe G asks Can no decisions by starting pitchers be a category in Roto? This year it'd be pretty crazy. Um, and then MS asks um, I have another because we saved his first one for later. But I consider myself to be good at drafting and players beyond pick 60 or so, but I am bad at finding stable production early any tips on sifting through the upper echelon talent to find reasons to believe this year, Nola Rendon Conforto all bombed hard for me. A lot of injuries took place this year too. This is not the same situation, but that was, that's one thing that made the top part of the draft a little trickier this year. But um, any tips, Like, it's a what, tough question. What were
1: the names? Rendon Conforto.
0: Nola, Nola Rendon Conforto.
1: Yeah. I mean, the NOLA one is just, is just, is just tough. NOLA was the only guy I was on in those three periods. I, yeah. so. I mean, the thing that I'd say about the other two guys is one of the reasons why I, I always draw draft guys that, that contribute in five categories early on in drafts is not only because they're scarce um, in drafts, but also because like Ariel Cohen always says like a lot of paths to value. Mm-hmm. And so when you guy, when you draft guys that steal bases, a lot, mm-hmm. you know, then, then you have so many ways of contributing. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think like, you know, there are guys who I'm trying to think who's, who's the guy who's like underperformed power, but he's really done well in stolen bases. There's one guy. Whit Merrifield. Well, Whit Merrifield's a good example. <laughs> I mean, he still has 10 home runs, right? And yeah. we didn't project him for that many more. But like Whit Merrifield's a guy, but like, there's somebody who I'm not thinking about. Maybe it's Marte. Starling Marte could be. He's hit some decent power still, but he, his his stolen bases are through the roof. Yes. Oh, dude, they're they're nuts. They're nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Starling Marte only has ten home runs, but he's got forty two stolen bases. So he didn't never necessarily contribute in home runs, but he was able to contribute in stolen bases. Whereas a guy, and again, I'm not comparing apples to, to apples here because you know Conforto went at pick, around pick seventy five or whatever it was, but like Marte you know, you like him because it's like, even though he was injured, you know, he still produced for you in a way, like even though the categories weren't as balanced as you expected them to be, he's still just a massive contributor contributor in that way. I wish we had the ADP because we could kind of go through and it would be really interesting. We will
0: will after the season's over. Don't you worry
1: about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, um, like with the Ras Ball Player Radar. it's like Fernando Tatis is there you know, um, he, he steals Otani is there. He steals Vlad jr is there. He doesn't steal. Bichette is there. He steals Turner is there. He steals Marcus Semyon is there. He steals Ozzie he Albies is there. 40 he home st- runs. Yeah. Uh, Ozzie Albies is there. He steals, by the way, I haven't even mentioned the fact that I was all over Marcus Semyon and Salvador Perez, and mm. they're both arguably better than Vlad and much better values But anyways, I digress just to just to save a little face for myself, you know, but like Devers doesn't steal. Freeman doesn't steal. Mullins steals bases. Whit Merrifield steals bases. Jose Ramirez steals bases. Matt Olson doesn't steal bases, but somehow is hitting for a very high average. You know, so if you just look through this, the thing that's fairly consistent is outside of guys who are hitting you massive amounts of home runs and getting you batting average. Everybody else steals bases. You know, and so what I would say is as much as you can towards the top end of that draft, make sure guys contribute in stolen bases. Make sure you're getting those guys, unless they're like a truly elite hitter. But the only guys that I would say kind of fit that bill of guys who were going in like the third round, fourth round, who were kind of worth the 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 draft cost are Devers and Vlad Jr., you know? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of those other guys that were going in there who don't contribute steals are some of the – Ozuna, you know, Rendon. Um, those are some of the guys that have really been hurting, you know.
0: Well, that's another reason why it's like, as we went through the draft season, it, you almost – it almost felt better to, like, take a, a hitter or two early and take pitchers in around like, three and four this year to be a little different because right? that, that middle area, like, you had um, a couple guys, but otherwise it was kind of like, yeah. It, it really wasn't great. Like, what are we doing here? And it, it was tough to because I'm with you. It was like I'm always trying to get steals. We talk about balanced players, and that's, like, the best category. I have in, like, all my leagues right now is stolen bases. Like, I'm rarely having issues in steals in any of my leagues right now because I'm at least getting some from everywhere, and it stands out in a big way. So it's uh, not my style. I wouldn't have gone Conforto or um, Rendon especially, but uh, to each their own, that's fine. But uh, that, that'd be my thing is I go more balanced early, and I go more fill my roster late is how I look at things. And we'll see how it pans out. It's not, it's not for everybody, but um, it's definitely an angle to go because you want the, the five-category guys. It makes more sense. They're going to stuff the sheet for you, get them early. That's why they get drafted early for a reason, and um, go from there. All right, Toby, wrapping up another episode here. Final thoughts as we have three more weeks of the season to go.
1: Um, continue to, I say it like, I say like the same thing every single time, but, um, you know, just keep grinding, just keep grinding, play it till the last game of the season. You never know what happens. If you're not in the money right now, if you're trying to cash, try to cash. If you're in the cash right now, try to get, move up those standings, just continue to grind plate appearances, continue to get innings. If you need K's and wins, you know, if you don't, you know, throwing those ratios, guys, those Whitlocks, those Trinans, those guys who are just have been absolutely incredible. I mean, look at Blake Trinan's game log; he's mm-hmm. given up earned runs in two of his last like thirty-five appearances or something like that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So, those are the types of guys you want in there if you if all you need is ratios, and you just got to hope that you know you you don't hit the bad luck and have Paul Seawald give up a two-run homer and um, Garrett Whitlock, Whitlock do the exact same thing. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Yep, grind along. It's wild.
0: Pitching sucks. So best way I can say it, it's garbage this year, especially the last few weeks. It's been a, a heck of a grind. So if you got the big dogs, enjoy it, like Robbie raised the world, and uh, and have some fun there. But should be a fun three weeks, and we'll see who comes out on top. I'm pulling for Phil. I don't, I, the guys behind him are probably great, but I'd love to see Phil go. Oh, for sure. sure. Like I'm, I'm every time I get the email every week who's leading. That's like I keep saying the robots and shop on top. That's what I'm hoping for. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, you guys are doing fantasy football. You're ready for football this week. So enjoy because I'm uh, I'm done with seeing draft recaps on Twitter. So we're good there. But um, check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm at BD Intric. We'll catch you guys next week with another episode of Bubba and the Batflip.